Welcome back to another episode of GEMS Podcast with Genesis Amaris Kemp, where the core pillars are to educate, inspire, and motivate. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this segment. Welcome back to GEMS Podcast. I am the founder and host, Miss Genesis Amaris Kemp, and with me today is David Walters. Here's a bit about David. He's a former nuclear submarine weapons engineer officer and has been a chartered engineer for almost 40 years. As the founder of Steam Powered Consulting, he now specializes in helping business owners maximize the value of their company in preparation for a high profit exit. During his career, David served in both the Royal Navy and Canadian Forces. He worked as an emergency management and security consultant in the nuclear power industry. After 9-11, he was the CEO of the only company in Canada licensed to provide armed security inside nuclear power plants. When he returned to the UK, he trained as an advanced EFT practitioner and worked with major uh, major Gen General Robin Short, the former director of Army Medical Services, to address the crisis of PTSD in British veterans, along with a NLP, which is Neuro Linguistics Programming Master Practitioner. They created a program that had an initial 84% recovery rate. The British government refused to fund their program, which, to his bitter disappointment, was shut down. And then moving on to start his company, Valuation Maximizer Consultancy, in spring of 2021, David now loves helping business owners and individuals achieve the best possible version of themselves. And today, David and I will be looking at um, specializing on in disability law based on a young man he is sponsoring who is aspiring to become a lawyer. So without further ado, please welcome David Walters to GEMS Podcast. Thanks, Gentis. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, David, for coming on and just sharing your expertise. And we're going to have a fun and interesting conversation. We're going to talk about um, your, you sponsoring this young man, cerebral palsy, and some of the other works that you're doing in the advocacy front. But before we dive in, David, I want you to share a fun but interesting fact about yourself as a way of an icebreaker. Okay. Um, I... I trained as a scuba diver many, many years ago, um, back in the 70s, when, when, the, uh, uh, when the saying was, uh, uh, sex is safe and diving is dangerous. Things have changed nowadays, obviously. Um, but now when I get the chance, uh, my wife and I like to go uh, on scuba diving trips to dive with sharks. Uh, and although that may seem very surreal, it's actually incredibly relaxing. So when you're surrounded by a dozen or so sharks and they're just swimming around and you're getting to know them, it's a very relaxing experience. Oh, wow. That is interesting because when you said sharks, I was like, ooh, but then you shared the relaxation piece of it. So thank you so much for sharing that um, fun but interesting fact um, for you, David. And now let's dive into why are you so passionate about the advocacy work that you're doing um, with the young man that you are partnering with? And can you tell us how um, this relationship formed? 
Sure. Um, I, I got re- uh, connected to Zach uh, through a, a mutual business partner um, who was actually working in a business incubator group that I was, uh, I was doing some lecturing for. And uh, he introduced me to Zach and I got to know Zach very well. Um, Zach's done an amazing job so far. He's, uh, he has completed his JD. He's completed the ethics exam for the bar. And I think he's going to be approaching the bar later this year, um, which in and of itself is an achievement, given the fact that Zach was born with cerebral palsy. Um, he's partially sighted and also suffers from acute respiratory syndrome. It makes his achievements even much, much more dramatic and much more powerful. And he is, he is passionate about helping um, people with disabilities get fair and reasonable access to uh, public-facing websites, which 98% of websites in the world are currently not accessible for people with disabilities. Thank you for sharing that. And um, I actually had someone on the segment that talked about how to get websites ADA accessible, um, whether you're using alt text or you're using some other form of technology, because there are some um, some individuals she mentioned read with their eyes, they could scan the screen. There are some who um, if you have the alt text in there, it would speak to them and different stuff. So it's pretty interesting. And I was asking what were the legalities and the requirements around that to kind of like drive the the factors there for more um, businesses to set that up. Yeah. So that's super exciting to hear all of the accolades that Zach, um, Zachary, is it Wooly? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, Wooly. Wooly is um, all the barriers that he's breaking because despite what he has going on physically, that did not become a limitation for him. In fact, it made him limit less. So out of your time working with Zach, what are some of the things from his story that empowers you? I think the thing that he told me, which really uh, motivated myself, my son, and, and the rest of our business team to want to support Zach was the fact that he said when he was studying for his JD, um, so many of the sites he needed to access for information he couldn't access. I mean, he paid for a very expensive screen reader, uh, I think it said like $2,000, and many of the sites just didn't work for him. Um, so he had to have his mom actually read the content of the sites so he could understand it and he could process the information. And then when there were when there was information he needed that he couldn't access the website, he had to work with his professors at the uh, at the uh, university to find alternative resources that he could then download and print off in large font that he could actually access. So not only is it a challenging degree, but it was even more challenging because the information he needed was just not immediately available to him. Uh, which in, in today's day and age is just wrong. Just, there is no reason for people with disabilities to have any of those barriers to accessing the information they need. There's no need for it today. And do you think that the school system is failing these individuals because they know that there are certain individuals that have certain types of disability? And if you're catering to all individuals um, to just kind of complement the DEI and B space, which is diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging space, why aren't you making everything accessible for your entire student population? 
I wouldn't say it's the school that's failing. I think it's society as a whole. I mean, the the, the ADA is very clear um, that the, the legal judgments are that a, a website which is uh, publicly accessible must be ADA compliant. That means there must be screen readers or text-to-speech capability. Um, and as I said, the, the current statistics, about 98% of the websites in the world are not compliant. They're not available, um, which is a tra travesty. I mean, the, what we're working with Zach is we found a company in Israel who actually provides a widget that you can uh, just add to the website, um, and it will then give the person with disabilities the opportunity to either have the website read for them or increase the contrast so they can, they can actually read it. Uh, for people with motor disabilities, rather than try and use a mouse, they can navigate through by numeric keys. So all of these features are available and, and this software that you just load onto the website, is less than $500 a year. So there's, you know, quite honestly, there is absolutely no excuse nowadays for people not to be trying to accommodate the needs of, of people with disabilities. It's either ignorance or, or just lack of awareness of what's available to them. And thank you for clarifying that, um, David, and putting your perspective in there. And I know that you, you do have a belief, um, and you believe that every person on earth has a unique divine purpose. And when you can help people define their core purpose, so they are able to fulfill their destiny, and you go on to say your your core purpose is realizing divinity. So in your experience of working with Zach, as well as others that you have partnered with, possibly in the past, how do you ensure that you're helping those individuals with their core purpose, whether you're working with them for a short period of time or a long period of time? I, I mean, there are, there are two approaches to that. The first one is just to be sensitive to what the person is inspired about when when you're working towards your core purpose you end up in that flow state you end up you know doing what you were put on the earth to achieve and so you know that you know when that uh, when that person is is in in their core purpose they're in the flow state you actually don't need to do much to help them at all you just need to get out of the way and let them let them do what they were put here to achieve um, the other side to the coin is uh, if you're looking for a more you know, detailed analysis, for example, um, I help with uh, the local tango school here in Houston. And so I'm helping them um, develop their marketing and develop their business. One of the reasons is tango is a, is a, a great way to de-stress and to reconnect with people. Um, but also it's, it's, it's got huge physiological and psychological benefits if people actually learn to, to do the dance properly. Um, and so I'm helping these, uh, this, this group, uh, the Two to Tango group here in Houston. And um, we actually went through a formal core purpose exercise with the, uh, with the owner of the, of the school to help him define, um, uh, define his core purpose. Uh, and his core purpose was uh, empowering souls. So although it's a dance school, he has very much a... Uh, and, and in a purpose to help people develop and grow through the mechanism, through the expression of traditional salon tango. So, you know, when you come together with people who have a purpose, even though the mechanism of delivering that purpose can be completely different, underneath there is a purpose to, to help people become the best they can be. Mm. And David, would you say that your drive for this area stems from you? Um, 
being in the apostolic church or just having a background in that arena, do you think that they complement each other? Um, yeah, I mean, my uh, my core purpose, and I, and I actually went through a formal program to, to reveal this, uh, is realizing divinity. And the way I personally interpret that is, you know, we're all here to, to achieve our highest purpose. And we're all on this journey on this earth for, you know, whatever, whatever time we have together. Um, but as, as an apostolic Christian and a Bible literalist, I don't accept any man-made doctrine after the end of the first century AD. So we are um, very, very close to what the apostles did in that first century. And when you read the Bible literally and you ignore all the man-made doctrine, the ultimate purpose for humanity is to actually become children of God. I mean, literal spiritual children of Jehovah. That is, that is why we're here. And the mechanism is laid out through the Bible and through the Old Testament and through the New Testament. But it's got lost because of the politics and the religiosity and the, the power that people claim through having an organized church. And so the, the ultimate destiny of humankind has been lost under this veil of religion, which is not what God intended for us. He intended us to have this one on one relationship with him to ultimately become his sons and daughters as spirit beings of, uh, of Jehovah, our father. Mm, beautifully said. And outside of realizing divinity and you thinking about your core mission and your values as a whole, how do you apply that with the people you work with as well as your business so you could be an effective steward? My ultimate goal is to always, is to always set people up for success. I've had that as a mantra when I was in the corporate world. Uh, and I also have that with my clients. I, I always want my clients to get a bet, better from the deal than I do. Um, so I say, you know, if I'm going to work with somebody to help them improve the valuation of their business, for example, um, you know, I want them to pay me and I want them to, uh, you know, I want to get benefit from helping them maximize their value. But I always, I always aim for every dollar they pay me for them to get at least $10 extra in value on the business. So, you know, my goal is to be very much um, help people get the absolute maximum value from the relationship with me. Mm, nice. And now that kind of explains the name of your business in a sense to me that I read in your bio. Um, part of your name has maximizer in there. And you say, company valuation maximizer consultancy. So is there a reason why you use the valuation and the maximizer to talk about the consultancy that you're working on? Absolutely. Um, and it, it goes back to a lot of people are disadvantaged for, through no fault of their own, just they don't, they don't know what's going on. Um, and so a business owner could spend 10, 15, 20 years managing and growing the business but if they don't know how to optimize their business for the exit valuation, they can lose literally millions and millions of dollars. And so what we do through the company value maximizer program is help a business owner understand where they are today and then plan out a roadmap so that they can maximize their valuation. And it's very easy to help a business owner increase the value of their business by two, three hundred percent without a lot of clever um, uh, you know, clever development work, clever restructuring on the back end. But it's not uncommon. If somebody goes through the whole program, 
we could we could lay a roadmap for them to increase the valuation of their business by 1100% or higher when they come to sell. So when you're helping them increase the value of their business and just maximizing the full potential, is it um, mainly to help complement the M&A mergers and acquisitions? So when they sell their business, they're actually making a profit. But what else is tied to that? Um, help help me understand it to the lowest common okay. denominator. So a, a, a business, uh, if a business owner said, okay, I'm, I've you know I've been doing this for twenty years, it's time for me to take time with the family or to you know, go fishing or to, you know, buy a cabin in the woods or whatever their, whatever their life desire is. If they, if they haven't gone through the process of preparing their business for the, for the uh, business fashion parade, when they have to sell the business and the thing to realize businesses don't get bored, you have to actively sell them and you have to prepare yourself in a certain way. So if they haven't gone through that process, their valuation could be, you know, seven or eight hundred thousand dollars. It could be a million, million and a half, depending on the size of the business. But they haven't implemented what we would call a professional management system. If, however, they go through the go through the effort of implementing a professional management system, that valuation can immediately increase without any more sales or any more profit, just by having a, a professional management system. Their valuation can increase by two hundred and seventy odd percent. Um, because it's much, it's, it, a buyer is much more comfortable that the business will continue successfully after the owner has exited because they have a management system and it's not all based around the, the sort of the tribal aspect of the one guy in the middle being in charge of all the business operations. So that's the first thing we do. And then once they can see the value that they get by implementing a professional management tool, then, um, then we can look at, you know, at, at, at market structures, at M&As. Um, one of the options would be to, uh, one, of the to, one of the techniques we teach is what we call the E to P process. So if you look at the, the major expense lines in, in your business, um, can you turn them into profits? So if you're spending, say, $100,000 a year on advertising, could you buy the advertising agency and turn that into a profit center? then immediately you increase the value of the business. And when you come for the valuation, instead of it being $100,000 of uh, expense, it's now $100,000 of extra profit. So that immediately improves the value of the business. So all of these different protocols we work through with the business owner with the goal of at least giving them five times the valuation than when we first started and preferably 10 times. Thank you so much for explaining that. And I always like to go a little bit deeper that way, not only the audience, but the viewers are also connecting with the subject matter and learning. So for a concrete example, would a good example be like, for example, how some of the oil and gas companies merge? So like, for example, I'll say FMC Technologies and Technip. So now it's FMC Technip. Um, would that be a good example to use? Sure. I mean, one, one of the ways you can look at this is, let's say you've gone through the process of optimizing your business. So you now have a business that would be valued um, on what we call the EBITDA scale. Uh, so that's, that's, the, that's the technique we use for a professionally managed business. So your exit multiplier could be eight or 10 times the, 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 the profit level in the business. Okay. So let's say you've done that. So your business, your business deserves a 10x valuation. A very quick way to improve the overall money in the sale would be to find a business that's serving the same client base, but they haven't done 
the, the, the job of professionalizing their management. So then if you buy that group, you buy their, you buy their client base, but instead of it being valued at two or three times profit, because they're now under your management technique, it's now 10 times the profit. So simply by buying your competitors, you buy the market share, but that market share is much more, much, much more valuable when you are ready to sell to the next person. Okay, that definitely makes sense because then what you're doing is buying some of, of their inefficiencies and capitalizing on the efficiencies to advance your business. And then whenever you buy that, you get to turn that from an expense into a profit center, which is also diversifying your wealth. And some people use it as write-offs, right? Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, that's that, that's different from buying a, a profit. So the other the other way would be to, to buy, uh, buy your supplier. So look at the value chain, um, buy a supplier, and then you can uh, you can get more value to the business when you come for that final exit valuation. Buy market share, which would be buying out competitors, or even diversify your own business. So different different business types have different valuation factors. So for example, let's say you had a business that had created a SaaS product. Your business was a brick and mortar operation, um, so you'd be looking at a, a valuation, say about eight to ten x. If, however, you'd created a software product that you could resell to, so let's say you built your own custom management solution specific for your niche business, if you then had that and you could spin that off as a standalone SaaS product, the valuation on a SaaS product is 30x. And in addition to that, a brick and mortar operation, your profit rate would be 15 to 20%. A SaaS product, your profit rate is up at 80%. So by looking at your business and saying, okay, this actually is a very high value piece of the business that we can separate out. You could get, so in that example, instead of um, eight times 15%, which would be 120, you would be getting 30 times 80, which would be uh, 2,400. So much, much higher valuation of the, of the piece of the business, which has the most, uh, the most appeal to the future purchaser. And all of this is, is what we can strategize with the owner to help them maximize their, their exit value. Amazing. So they get a lot of value by partnering with you and your um, business as a whole, because then you're able to walk them through everything from A to Z to just really help them analyze where they are currently, where they need to go, and how they could truly maximize it. And whenever you think about tips, tricks, and resources, what are some that you would like to leave um, with our audience well, I think one of one of the first things is if anybody's interested, they can just contact me through LinkedIn and I can give them access to the tools we use for the initial assessment um, so they can see what their business would be valued at today. And if they went through the process, what their valuation could be improved to. So, you know, that's something that I'd be more than happy to, to share with any of the listeners that, that you know is a business owner that's thinking about exiting. Um, it's a very simple tool. It doesn't take a lot of effort to complete. And I can give them a quick report just to show them what their potential is if they want to uh, to really maximize the value of their life's work. Mm, thank you so much. And I will make sure that I get the link from you and share it in the show notes. And David, what is your call to action for this segment? Really, my call to action is, is learn your core purpose and then do it. Easy peasy. Learn your core purpose and then do it. So 
educate yourself. And then once you are educated, take actions to walk it out. Absolutely. So David, outside of LinkedIn that you mentioned earlier, where else can the listeners and viewers connect with you via your website? And are you on any other social media platforms? Yeah, they can find me on Facebook and also the website for the company. So uh, wherever they want to go. And the other thing we're, we're doing uh, for businesses that are interested in uh, uh, supporting people with disabilities, we also have a free assessment tool for the uh, American with Disabilities Act. Um, and they can just drop in their website name and it will run a report and tell them what they need to do uh, to make their website accessible for uh, people with disabilities. So I'd be happy to share that with people as well. Yes, um, please share your website link, just call it out and then call out the um, other assessment. And then I'll also make sure that this information gets included in the show notes as well. Okay, so the business website is steampoweredmarketing.com. Uh, the web assessment tool, uh, the disability assessment tool is adaaccessibilityadvocate.com. Um, and they can then just uh, go to that, drop their, drop their website URL in. Uh, we run a report and send the report back typically within 24 hours. So they, they know what they need to do to be accessible. Wow, that is a quick turnaround time, David. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS Podcast. Once again, I am the founder and host, Ms. Genesis Amaris Kemp. And my guest today was David Walters. We talked about his advocacy. We talked about core values. We also talked about um, value maximizer, how to maximize your business so you could sell it for a well above market value. And then um, without further ado, make sure you read the show notes so you could get David's contact information so you could connect with him to learn more about strategies that you need to implement in your current business. Or maybe if you're thinking about selling, ask yourself, do you have um, the proper tools and resources set up so whenever it comes time for you to exit, you're able to do so. So until we chat next time, make sure you subscribe and share this segment. We are on 40 plus platforms. Leave us a review. What do you like? What do you want to learn more? And if you have questions for David, I'll make sure I give that information over to him. And then last but not least, make sure you follow us on YouTube so you can see all video content, which is at Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. Until we chat next time. Peace, love, and lots of blessings. Be an asset, not a liability. Thank you for listening to another segment of GEMS Podcast. Hope you enjoyed this recording. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to GEMS Podcast on your audio platform, as well as our YouTube channel, GEMS with Genesis Mars Kemp. We would love for you to be a sponsor so please reach out via email at gems, G-E-M-S, with W-I-T-H, Genesis, G-E-N-E-S-I-S, Amaris, A-M-A-R-I-S, Kemp, K-E-M-P, at gmail.com, where your brand, your swag, your services could be here on GEMS Podcasts.